Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hey, and welcome back to the Imagine More podcast. We're really excited you're joined us today. Today, we're excited to welcome Julia to the show. She is a wealth advisor, mother, and successful entrepreneur. She is an author. She's been featured in Forbes. She is certainly a powerhouse to be reckoned with. So let's dive in. Hey, Julia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We're excited to learn all about your company, how you got started, um, and what makes you think big and, and imagine more. And to kick things off, will you tell everyone a little bit about um, your company, Financial Freedom? Yeah, so I started out in business when I was 23. At that point, it was not called a Financial Freedom Wealth Management Group. That evolved over time. But what we do is help uh, a lot of small business owners, as well as uh, people getting close to retirement and helping them create a strong financial future, whether that be a successful retirement or for businesses, how to think about exiting your business years before you're actually ready to, to exit. Even So a lot of times we have business plans going into business, but we don't have a plan to get out of business. And I think that's just as important as the upfront plan. That's, that's great. So I'm, I'm imagining age 23, fresh out of school. Is this like a first endeavor, first job? Um, can you talk us a little, like rewind a little bit? Sure. want to start a company? (laughs) Yeah. So I, uh, after I graduated high school, actually, I was uh, 18. That summer, I met my future husband and moved from the greater Seattle area to a very small town on the Oregon coast and thought, oh, goodness, what am I going to do here? Uh, We got married when I was 19. I went to work for a local bank. And in that bank, they had an investment department and the investment advisor would go around to all the branches. Whenever he was in my branch, I would like just be so intrigued with what he did. And I would ask questions and he became a mentor to me and helped me get into the investment department. That was probably when I was 20. I was licensed uh, when I was before 21. And then by the age of 23, I was ready to start working with clients one-on-one. And because we did live in a small community, I wasn't able, they said, okay, as soon as your the current financial advisor retires, you can have that position. Well, that could have been 20 years. And so <laughs> I was kind of recruited out into starting my own business at that point. There's been uh, some CPAs in the area that just really encouraged me. And I'm like, all right, let's go for it. And I did. That's amazing. Um, I have to ask a personal question before we dive into some of the business stuff. I'm getting married in a couple months. Um, and so you got married at 19. Any big tips for being an entrepreneur and also um, happily married? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs. <laughs> so at that point, what we had going for us was my husband is uh, eight years older than me. And so he, at that point, 
was not an entrepreneur, uh, but he is. Uh, but he did take over his dad's business. So now we are both entrepreneurs. So we 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 get that that life. <laughs> it is it is a um, a very unique uh, commitment that we take as entrepreneurs. But I would say when in the beginning, when I was just building my business, he had a little bit more stability, which offered us, um, you know, it was helpful in the beginning. Because a lot of times now, um, if you don't have, if you're not married and you, maybe you don't have someone else to count on for income, then a lot of times we do side hustles, right, to then where we can make the jump over to, to doing your business full time. That's very true. Is Thank your, you for sharing. Yeah, is your are you is your is your fiance an entrepreneur? He's not. Um, he is in commercial real or industrial real estate. Um, so it's been a fun, you know, fun to continue to learn and evolve too on how to have a spouse that that you know doesn't um, carry some of the the work stress. Oh yeah, because I can turn it off. (laughs) Exactly. And that, that's one thing I've learned is my, my husband has always been very good at, you know, leaving work at work when he comes home at four o'clock, it's like never business after that, where me, I, you know, a lot of times I'm checking email at night and doing things, getting ready for the next day. So he's, he's way more committed to that balance than I am. (laughs) Well, I um, I would love to learn a couple of things from him, and but it's also nice to know there's other people out there that it's like I can't turn it off. You know, this person's emailing. Um, well, switching gears a little bit. So you're starting your new company. Did you initially bootstrap that? Um, can you talk us through some of those steps? Yeah, I've I've actually built my business uh, totally debt free, and so in the beginning. The, back in the day of the, well, I'm 40, almost 42 now. So it was almost 20 years ago, but at that point I was commission only. And so it was like, it was, you know, I, you had to be hungry at that point because every month was a new month. Right. And so in the beginning, you know, you'd have way ups and downs where you'd have really good months and then really down months. You're crying. What did I do this? <laughs> and then you have something good that happens. So, you know, in the beginning, it's a huge roller coaster. But over time, we have done things in the business to where now it is a reoccurring revenue. And and we do have, um, you know, other, you know, rentals that are creating income. So it's a lot more even that we've built over the last 20 years where we don't have those up and downs. But in the beginning, I mean, I think that's the true test of an entrepreneur and why a lot of us don't make it, you know, five years is because, you know, there's there's that diligence and persistence and that that drive to make it work. And if you don't have those real clear underlying desires and and, uh, you know, faith, then it's easy to get sidetracked. Certainly. I'm glad you touched on the revenue model. This is something that we haven't talked much about on, I don't think, any of the past shows, but it is something to consider when you're starting a business and as you evolve in the company of, you know, finding different ways to feed that um, so that it does create some stability, which I think yeah, is an important point. I, and I can speak to that. I think a lot of times, yeah. yeah, what happens with entrepreneurs is in the beginning, it does 
start out maybe as a hobby to where they don't have a clearly defined line to where their personal finances end and their business finances start. And so, and I fell into that trap too, where I, it's, it's like you're, you're constantly shuffling things or maybe putting things on a credit card and trying to pay them off. And it's like, you can get caught up in that rat race if you don't set up your intentions from the, the beginning. So number one, I always recommend setting up a, um, a separate, at least a separate bank account if you're going to be a sole proprietor. But if you, most of the time, I'd recommend setting up an LLC for um, your businesses because it just, it's a different entity than your personal life. And the risk of getting audited is a lot lower in an LLC when you have a separate entity. And so I can talk more if we, if we want to talk about that. Yeah, no, that, that's certainly great. I think it's been fun. This past year, we've been continuing to add components as we learn to our contract or um, the way we bill and iterating on that process. Um, and at the beginning, I had decided, okay, we'll, we'll just collect before we do services. We'll just have a credit card on file. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of thought other than it was just, I have thought about it and then we did it. Um, and it's been nice to look back and say, okay, well, that helped us or this hurt us or we need to add this to our contract now. Um, so I think it's important to remember those things can always change too. So mm-hmm. you can set a plan and uh, continue to revise. Be flexible, yes. But having having a budget for the business and having not really planning on taking a lot of revenue personally is kind of key in the beginning because you want that business to run successfully and then essentially what I did is set up a paycheck to myself. So in the beginning, it may have only been $100 a month and the rest of the money stayed in the business. And then over time, you can raise it to $500 and raise it to $1,000. And that way you're not spending everything that's coming in trying 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 to live. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. I can relate to that. When we first started for the first two years, I just... I like the idea of the paycheck. That's something we did not do. I just continued to reinvest and had a bunch of other side hustles that could pay the bills mm-hmm. um, and then work nights and weekends to start this. But I think that's neat to just at the beginning, even set up whatever the threshold is, something to get in the habit of paying yourself. Exactly. It's really impactful. Yeah. yeah. So you have grown to you know over 10 people and five locations. Was that always the vision for the company? growing in multiple cities? Well, I would say in the very beginning, probably not, but I am very, I am very entrepreneurial spirited. So in the beginning, one thing I have always done is reinvested in myself. So going to conferences, hiring coaches, uh, you know, I've never been afraid of spending money on myself for personal development. And over time, as I got inspired and saw the impact that we were making, you know, it was very quickly that those dreams started to spark in me and thought about, I want, I don't want it to be just what I can do. I want it to be based on um, my impact in the world and how we can grow and how I can help others to um, carry, carry that mission out there. So 
I probably five years in, I, I remember thinking, wow, this could be a lot bigger than I originally thought. That's amazing. So how did you, what was that first step for you of maybe it was the first teammate, an employee or first, you know, extra location? Um, yeah. How did you process some of that decision making? It's hard, right? Because when sometimes we, we need to hire and let go. And so there's two components there. It's hiring someone. So now you have payroll and, you know, things that you're not, not used to doing um, and the expense of that. And then also you have the, the, the mindset around how do I delegate? How do I trust someone else that they're going to do, do what, what I think I should be doing? Cause then that's, cause that's what I was doing. I was doing everything in the beginning and over time, I now have learned a lot about delegation and a lot about helping others. Um, they may do, not do it the same way, but as long as they're aligned with the end result, then I have learned to let go of that. And, uh, and that was, that, you know, at the beginning, very hard, you know, but over time, that's been essential to success and growing the company is only staying and doing what is what I am best at. Yeah, I think there's so much. I, it's always fun to when we bring on new teammates and they're like, I have trouble delegating. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I can't wait to teach you how like how great it is when you can find people that could do a better job than you know how to do and you exactly. can build out the process and trust uh, them to do it. But um, yeah, it's certainly, it's difficult to pass off some of those things that maybe you enjoy doing, but you recognize aren't the highest and best use of your time. Right, right. Yeah, really good exercise I did was just for, you know, a couple of days writing down everything that I do. And I still do this occasionally. I'll say if I'm feeling extra super busy and overwhelmed, I'll just write down everything I'm doing. And it just kind of brings awareness to oh gosh, I'm doing a lot of things that I should be delegating out and and then shifting that on to my staff that can help, that they they feel joy to help and do that those things. So I love that. We did a similar exercise um, and coupled that with time tracking. So we, we've all been time tracking for a couple of years now, but it was very eye-opening after the first few months to pull some of that data. Um, and then we kind of took it one step further and did a like love and loathe list yes. and we, we cross-referenced them with other teammates and one person like it just sucked the energy out of them to do blog posts but the other person loved writing mm -hmm. and the research piece so it was neat to then be able to cross-delegate and really leverage strengths there yeah perfect I would love to dive into the exit plan so this is something you said at the beginning of helping companies and businesses start to think about that prior to even starting. And I do uh, certainly relate. I don't think it's something we hear about often or people talk about much. Can you dive into some of the thought process behind creating your exit um, sure. before you even get started? Yeah. So I would say that, number one, we didn't go into business to not build wealth for ourselves, right? We went into business to become successful. And so you want to learn along the way how to build wealth outside of your company, pretty much using your, the wealth inside your company. So, and what I mean by that is 
um, you know, setting setting up a savings goal and setting up things that you want to do to, you know, build that nest egg during your while you're building the company. A lot of times when I go into these businesses that and they're ready to retire, they haven't done all these things to 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 retire. Right, their business is their largest asset, and a lot of times it's so. Uh, everything is inside the owner, uh, the doer of the company that they can't even have, they don't even have a system to sell. And so when you're thinking about an exit plan, number one, it's setting up um, plans that help you save money along the way, but then also inside your business, thinking about how do you make yourself less relevant, right? And what I mean by that is do you have systems in place where if you left the country, you know, could your business run on its own and like processes for how do you, um, you, how do you prospect and how do you retain your clients and what is your client experience or, you know, it depends on, you know, obviously there's a lot of different types of businesses out there, but we should have a lot of those businesses and the systems um, and the processes documented. That's really powerful. What would be, so I'm starting a company. Would you say from the beginning, um, write down everything you like, write out the process from day one so it doesn't become so overwhelming a couple years in and trying to, to write that all down? I would say the, I would say the moment, uh, probably not in the very beginning, I would say the moment that it is becoming an asset, which means that it is, it is becoming larger than you in the sense of, you know, you have reoccurring revenue there, there, this is something that, uh, is not dependent on, on you. Like I would say, for example, like a real estate agent, right? So they, they have to go, they may not, um, it would be, unless they're building a, a firm, one person, it would be hard to sell because there's not anything reoccurring. They have to go out and sell new real estate every day. Right. Whereas maybe if they opened up um, a real estate office and they hired 10 agents working for them, okay, now they have to have a process. Those agents need to know if, if the boss isn't there, what, what's the process for uh, prospecting and what's the process for running, a, running a, a real estate transaction, right? So I would say maybe not right in the beginning, but the moment it, can, it becomes bigger than you or you have other people depending on you or employees, then that's kind of the appropriate time to start. That's, that's certainly fair. So I, I'm thinking from a service business standpoint, um, you know, it's not a product we're selling that kind of just can be automated. Um, and I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit here and kind of picking at, I think a lot of, so I'm like, okay, if I were to exit, um, I'm, I'm going to retract that statement because I'm trying to think <laughs> through, like, what are the plans for service-based companies to exit? So, like, what are some of those things that you talk through with your, your clients on, like, what are the options? Meaning if they were going to sell or wanted to exit? Yeah, so, I mean... Uh, yeah, and I think that that's maybe something as as business owners we get into something and then it's like, well, I suppose I could sell, but then thinking through who or uh, do I hire a CEO or do I, yeah, uh, you know, fold. I mean, I think a lot of options. How do you kind of help 
um, map some of that out? Or how do you suggest mapping some of those options out and kind of pro-conning or talking through those scenarios? Yeah. So first it starts with personal goals. So you have to say, okay, personally, what, where, where do you want to be? Do you, do you want to sell your business to move on to another, another venture? Do you want to sell your business to retire? If that's the case, then, okay, what do we need to, how much money do you need to retire? So you have to figure out, okay, what's your personal goals first? And then number two, for the business, some want to keep that legacy going. So so maybe it's an what we call an internal succession where let's say maybe you brought it let's say you're doing this for 20 years you have a, you know millions of people following you on your podcast and now you're ready to take some time off and now you're going to bring you're going to groom someone to kind of take over your podcast right it wouldn't just happen overnight or you're going to lose all your audience right they would have to know know your work and work with you. I mean, this is a transition that would probably at least take a couple years and you're introducing them to your audience to where over time now it's a smoother transition, just like me and my business. Like if I, if I'm bringing on another advisor to work with our clients, that doesn't, it doesn't work if they just say, Hey, Julia is out of town. Here's your new advisor. Um, it's like that has to be groomed and, and worked and massaged along the way. So that trust and rapport that you initially created kind of moves over to this next generation. So a lot of times um, internal succession or maybe it's a family business and they don't want to keep that legacy alive. Uh, that, that takes a lot of work and time um, as opposed to like a third party sell where they could you could say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to sell my business to an outside party, and that's typically done in a in a quicker transaction. Definitely. Well, would love to talk a little bit to what may be still on your plate that you're excited one day, if you know you'd like to exit, that's still maybe on your plate that you you're thrilled to pass off and delegate to someone else. Yes, yeah, so right now I'm I'm kind of going in it in, in, through a, a passage, if you will, or a transition where. I, up until this point, I, I've been a, a lot in the, in the day to day and, but it's getting uh, more and more, I would maybe, I don't want to say overwhelming, but challenging to be kind of the CEO of the company and looking towards the horizon and kind of say, where are we going and, and making things happen out there, but then getting pulled back into the day to day and um, still having to do do that work as well. And so that's what I've, that's what I've been working on in the last year is trying to surround myself and kind of grooming that next generation so that our clients feel comfortable with more of a team approach as opposed to calling and always wanting to talk to Julia. <laughs> and so we've yeah, we've you know we have more work to do, but we've had some success with that to where that's then freed me up to um, to go look at look at new things and new opportunities. I would probably say the biggest challenge right now is figuring out how to delegate email. Oh, yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> Have you tried a virtual assistant? I haven't, only because we're very uh, regulated. Uh, and so it's, it's the, the person that reads the emails obviously have to be um, pretty much, uh, they have to be an employee or, you know, uh, 
in a different industry, it would probably work better, but in ours, it's hard because you're dealing with people's money and um, relationships and intimate details. That is tricky. I I don't have the answer to that one, but we had a wonderful guest on the show, Shannon Miles with Belay Solutions, and they um, have an amazing array of, of U.S. assistants, um, and we've started working with them, and they are amazing. Um, and she, she just goes in every day and drafts the emails I read and, and send. Um, but she may be a good resource, and I'm happy to connect you if kind of diving into that and maybe picking our brain on what the best process may be or if there are solutions out there. Yeah. Um, but she was a great guest to have on the show and may just be a good resource okay. for that. That is I'll, go, I'll go back and listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, emails, that is one thing. Are there any um, tools or kind of extensions that you have in your inbox to help organize some of I that? I do. Yeah. So I do, we do get a lot of external things that kind of go into a, um, email, like a subscription or information box, uh, and then prioritizing, um, the ones coming in, but it's all within Outlook. I haven't added an external, um, app to it. Gotcha. Well, I mean, speaking of emails and kind of that balance, um, outside of email management, how do you optimize your day? So for me, my day uh, is goes best if I start my morning right. So for me, that means getting up at uh, 5 or 5.30 because I have kids. And so, but that first hour, even sometimes an hour and a half is... I always start with meditation. So I'm, I've built up, it used to be only five minutes, but now it's about 20 minutes and I actually crave more. So I've been really trying to be still and working on that because my, the rest of my life is so fast paced. And so taking that time for me, setting the intentions, being quiet is really helpful. And then I have a Peloton bike that I absolutely love. And so the first hour and a half of my day is typically all focused on self-care. Uh, and then I have three kiddos, so it's getting them off to, off to school. And um, the way that I structure my weeks are typically Mondays are my, um, I call it CEO day. So there are meetings with staff, they're getting things prepared for the week, it's maybe doing conference calls that are all about moving the company forward. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are uh, what, what I call um, uh, like revenue days in the sense of like th- those are uh, money-making activities. And so it's mostly either meeting with um, clients or meeting with prospects. And those are pretty, um, you know, uh, almost every, on the hour, every hour. So they're pretty crazy days. And then Friday is kind of my catch up and take care of things and maybe take the afternoon off. Definitely in the summertime, I take Fridays off. That's great. Do you ever, do you ever have a client reach out and say, okay, I know I really need to meet on Monday (laughs) or Friday. And are you pretty, you know, you set those boundaries and hold Yes. And what I discovered is when I have my um, assistant do that, it works better because if someone comes to me and asks, I always break my own rules. 
But when I have someone else um, hold those boundaries for me, then uh, then it works better. And that, you know, they come and say, hey, this person can only meet this day. And if they are a current client, then I will make an exception, but um, not very often. But right now in my life, I do not make that exception for um, prospects because I'm at the point where I don't want to set that expectation. And so we, ref- we, we push back and be like, you know, if you were scheduling an appointment with the doctor, you're going to get in when the doctor's available, right? Not only best on your time frame. So it kind of tells the, the prospects you know, the importance of if they're serious, then they're going to make it work with my schedule. Yeah, I love that. I think there's a lot of power in that. And it's really easy to forget sometimes and want to be that yes, yes Mm -hmm. person. I need to continue to remind myself that um, I break all of those boundaries every time I email past 6pm. And I am not setting good expectations if I will email people back. Um, but I find sometimes at the end of the day, that's the only time to respond to things. Um, so it's kind of, okay. So a trick I use is cause I'm in the same boat. I, but I will send it up to send it tomorrow morning at eight. So they're, yeah. Yeah. So that way they're, they are not get thinking that you're going to get back to them on a Sunday or, you know, eight o'clock at night. I like that. That's good. Well, Julie, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company and your journey and um, if they're interested in working together? Yeah, so I have two different pages. So I have my um, business page, which is financialfreedomwmg.com. And uh, on that is all about the company. Actually, I wrote a book in 2017 called Fit Money, Seven Steps to Get Your Financial Life in Shape. And if you go to that page and look at look on the, on the drop-down menu to fit money, you'll be able to actually download that book for free. So that's a great resource that I'd love for the listeners to take advantage of. And then if you want to hear more about me personally, I um, started juliamcarlson.com. And that's just kind of me as an entrepreneur. And uh, I've been doing some keynote speaking. I want to develop more of that. So that's where you'll find more information there. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time.